Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And this is show 1760. Wow, that's a lot of shows. You know, we don't really keep track of it or think about it all that much anymore. Because no, they kind of go up every week. It's weird. It is weird, but you know, this is sort of just what we do. You know, it's not yeah. we're not we're not keeping score. But man, that's a, a lot, lot of shows. shows. Uh, I will hit episode eight hundred on Run As Radio first week of November. Very very cool. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to cover on this show, so we might as well mm-hmm. just jump right into the Better Know Framework. Roll the music. <laughs> man what do you got all right so this is being 1760 you want to go to 1760.pwop.me and this is a blog post from vice president scott hunter yeah promote it yeah what's up with that and it's an (laughs) update on uh maui the multi-platform app ui i'm not going to read the whole thing but the gist of it is that uh, Maui is good, and in order to make it really good, we need to let it slip till May next year. So 2022. 2022. They didn't actually say May, did they? No. I, they, the way I've heard it phrased is the build time frame. Yeah, so that's so in that area. April, May, June, somewhere in somewhere there. Somewhere in there. But bottom line is it, it Maui got pushed again. Yeah, it's a very ambitious project. You know, I've been watching because it's taking over for for Xamarin Essentials, right? Yeah, that's right. Forms that whole thing, like trying to put that together, uh, sort of merge the Xamels, so to speak. That's yeah. a, that's a challenging goal. I can see why it slips, but it's uh, you know interesting times. It's also I'm I'm just waiting to be able to develop really rich Windows desktop applications with the Blazor. Uh, component model. Right. To me, that's a huge feature of Maui that is sort of just being hanging there. It's, it's well, hanging out there as a, uh, it, it, it's sort of being dangled as a, as a carrot, but it's like a huge, huge feature. If I never have to write any XAML ever again, I'm a happy guy. <laughs> I get that. XAML yeah. is so unintuitive and ridiculous sometimes. That uh, no, I you don't want to live abstract away from it. You want your win forms for XAML. Yeah, I don't want to ever have to write another value converter ever, <laughs> ever, ever. You're done. Okay. Yeah, I get that. It's just uh, so. Anyway, that that's my rant. Uh, that's the gist of this article. Like I said, I'm not going to read it, but there's a lot of good stuff in Maui coming. And in order to do it right, they have to uh, they have to take their time. So, kudos to them. That being said, .NET six still coming out in November, right? Like they're they're sticking to the gun. The the every year a new .NET thing, yeah, is uh the you know the new world. It's strange, but you know the fact is if you're going to ship to a timeline, you are going to slip features, as opposed to if you're going to slip to a feature set, you're going to slip the timeline, right? And that's like good. One of the trade. Would you rather had .NET six in the spring of 2022, or would you rather have it in the fall of 2021? Sans Maui. Correct. I would like to have .NET 6 as soon as possible. And, yeah, you know, right. there's going to be previews of MAUI. Up, you know, there is previews of MAUI. There are previews now, but there will be yeah. another one when .NET uh, 6 ships, and it'll be pretty good. I hope so. It just yeah. won't be feature complete. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, I get it. Yeah, Good so comment. there you go. Uh, who's talking to us, Mr. Campbell? Gra- Let's do an all-Scott Hunter opening. How about that? Sounds like, good. 
Here's a comment from 1692, from June of 2020, a little over a year and a half ago, from one Scott Hunter, you mm -hmm. know, then just the director of program management. Yeah, so just a little. VP then. He's a peon. Yeah, just that. <laughs> Uh, and that, again, we were talking about Maui, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, his early days, it's, it's a, you know, a year and a half ago. And so much further along. And Matt Thornton's comment, and Matt's a regular. I'm pretty sure he's already got music to code by, mm -hmm. but, you know, Matt will talk. I'll make it, I'll, I'll make it worth your while. Uh, here's his comment. He says, this is a fun episode. It's always great to hear what's coming out next for the framework. My main comment, though, is that I know Carl was kind of kidding about now being able to get rid of your MacBook. Oh. But I'd say nowadays almost the reverse situation is true. I, agree. I use a yeah. I use a Mac exclusively for all but our work work that is Windows based. And so for years we'd run Windows virtual machines on Mac hardware. Seems dumb. Although with an M1 not so much. It was uh, uh, mostly okay but not completely flawless. But nowadays, now that .NET Core is the real actual thing and tools like Visual Studio Code and VS for Mac and JetBrains Rider, and I appreciate you calling that out, Matt, because yep. Rider is good stuff. It is. Um, Azure Data Studio, also excellent, and proper cross-platform support for source control, and one-ish click publish. <laughs> one-ish one click. click. I love that. <laughs> or maybe one-click-ish. <laughs> one-click-ish published to Azure. <laughs> Our developers literally have the choice of a development environment, and we can run a mixed environment development place with no issues. Some run native Mac OS, some still run in VMs, others are boot camping and running Windows 10. We've not yet got a Linux dev environment fully going, but it can't be far away. Right now, if you want a Linux environment, you're using WSL2 inside of Windows. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and just put more of your pipeline in bash commands. Like you could do it that way too. Both approaches work. But it means that I can have a standardized development hardware outfit, but not force any particular flavor on anyone. It is unreal and a testament to how committed Microsoft is to this new world and the dev experience. So yeah, I'd say don't get rid of your MacBook. Embrace it. And, you know, I really do feel like in 2021, we are in a place that where the operating system almost doesn't matter when it comes to this kind of dev. You know, the, where, and especially deploying to the cloud, which is the reality for Microsoft. What Microsoft cares is that you buy Azure. They don't really care about any of that other stuff. So you run whatever you want. They'll make their stacks work on all the places. Just make sure it lands on Azure. They're pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you've got a copy of Music to Code by. I'm pretty sure. But like I said, let's chat. And we'll, we'll talk about what it can do for you. But if you'd like a copy of Music to Code by, write a comment on the website at donnetrocks.com or on the Facebooks because we publish every show there as well. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, we'll send you a copy of Music to And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin, and he's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet, and please don't wait till May. <laughs> Just send it. Send it. It's okay. All right. It's going to be fine. Yeah. going to die. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, you know, I'm tempted, Richard, to go on a tangent with you about bears because I was just listening to a Connecticut public radio show about them, but I'm not going to. We'll save that for another show. We'll save that for another for show opening. when we have sure. time to kill. But right now we got to get Thomas Huber, our guest, on the show. He is a Microsoft MVP for Windows development, he works as a developer, consultant, and trainer in the fields of .NET, C Sharp, TypeScript, XAML. And Azure. Oh, I hope he's not offended at my XAML comment. We'll find out. Thomas is a well-known conference speaker, book author, and plural site author. 
He lives in Germany's Black Forest with his wife and their three daughters. He blogs on www.thomasclaudiushuber.com, and you can find him on Twitter via at Thomas Claudius H. Welcome to .NET Rocks, Thomas. Thanks, Carl. Hi, everyone. Hi, Richard. Hi, Carl. Nice hey, to be I on gotta, the show. Have you on, sir. I got to get this out of the way right now. Do you know the history of Black Forest Cake? I know the Black Forest Cake, of course, and I've eaten a, lo a lot of them, yes. But the history you know of it, it, I don't know. There is, ah. It's a special cake with schnapps in it. Uh, yeah. I guess you know, right? And chocolate schnapps and cherries. Kirsch. Yeah, it's, I've had it both ways. Yeah, we see we use schnapps as the parent word. So Kirsch is a kind uh -huh. of schnapps. A kind right. of schnapps. Okay, I get it. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, anyway, the uh, I looked it up, and some historians say that it's possible. The cake got his name from the traditional costume worn by women in the Black Forest. The dress was black, just like the chocolate flakes. The blouse is white, like the cream. And the hat has red pom-poms that look just like cherries. Yes. And we call this, uh, in German, it's called uh, Bollenhut, which is the German word for ball's head so they have these red balls on the head yeah but okay what about and the cake uh, looks like the hat that's pretty hilarious and that's the cake awesome. is called what schwarzwalder kirschtorte yes exactly all right hey yeah. and i don't even eat cake anymore so uh, <laughs> but i thought i thought that would be a nice uh, opener um, and I apologize, uh, for my comments on XAML, but I don't like it. I don't know what you, what you think about XAML. Yeah. But, for uh, me, it's similar. I don't like HTML so much and I like XAML better. No, okay. actually I think it has all pros and cons. So I think XAML is a bit hard if you come from an HTML background, but if you worked in the past with WPF or Silverlight or any XAML framework, then you might be familiar with it and then you know but, how layout works, how the yeah. stuff works, you know. I don't know, for example, the the typical question, how to align a diff in HTML. Um, I have to look it up again. Yeah, so, I do a lot of looking up. But here's the thing. I've done XAML ever since it came out, right? Done my share of WPF yeah. and my share of Silverlight and even Xamarin Forms and uh and I still don't like it. And I still don't, th I, it, it's just, there's just seems to be so many extra steps. Whereas I can Google some magic CSS and usually figure out my issue with layout in, uh, in, in a matter of minutes. Yeah, but isn't with, the truth if you do Blazor or Angular or any of these component-based web frameworks that, that you use the components and you use the components properties and events, and you right. actually don't do real HTML anymore because the component wraps everything away from you? Yeah, you don't have to do so much HTML anymore, but you do need to understand CSS and once in a while a little JavaScript. But I think CSS is the main sort of learning curve for anybody using Blazor who hasn't done web programming any, you know, in any time soon. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Uno. Yeah, let's talk about Uno. Yeah. So we we first heard about Uno. I think it was at a um, a build, Richard. It was a build, yeah. Yeah, and we were interviewing the Uno guys. Or th actually, we weren't interviewing them at no, first. No, we met them there. We met them. 
interviewed posts. Yeah, we met them and we say, well, we got to we got to check this out. This looks really, really awesome. And so right. then we did an interview with them afterwards, right? Yeah. And then last year we had uh, Kenzie Whalen on as well. Right. They got an update, sort of a state of Uno. But of course, this the whole thing with Uno was this, hey, can we actually make this unifer- universal web Windows platform thing work? Right. I don't want to say web platform because that would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but... And I believe like Microsoft beat UWP to death. Yeah. They, they named like four different ideas UWP over the course of the years to the point where I think the average mortal is like, I don't know what that is. And on top of that, it wasn't really you, was it? It wasn't ever really universal. It was universal in the world of Windows. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was univer- universal as long as it was all Windows, right? Like, our implication with Universal always includes iOS and Android, but they were talking about, as, at least in the first iteration, again, the rules have changed a bunch of times, yeah. right? It was Windows Phone and Windows Desktop and maybe Xbox. Right. Right? Like, that was sort of the idea. That's what That was their version of universality. You know, if you live in the distorted Windows bubble world <laughs> of Redmond, I guess. <laughs> well, and to be fair, they didn't have the technology that, say, Uno brings to the table. So, Uno, uh, and I'm going to let you speak soon, I promise, Thomas, but just to to remind people if they don't know, Uno is the way that you can write your UI in UWP, Universal Windows Platform, uh, which was the old Metro applications, you know, when they came out, and then distribute it as a, an iOS and an Android application and a UWP application. Discuss. Yeah, yeah, it's it's even a bit more. So so um, with the whole UWP story, like you said, it's a lot of things. And um, one part of UWP is the UI framework and the SAML controls that were part mm-hmm. of of Windows itself. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft decided to decouple these parts from Windows so that they can release them independently. And um, with this decoupling, they gave it a new name, which is WinUI, or Windows UI Library is the long form. And um, this WinUI is now the the modern way to create desktop applications for Windows 10 or Windows 11. And um, Uno actually uses the SAML dialect of WinUI, which is the evolution of UWP, and allows you to write a Windows desktop application that you can then bring to other platforms like iOS, Android, or the web with WebAssembly, or also to Linux. So the nice thing here is when you compare it to, to .NET MAUI, what you said in the introduction, that that you can actually write WinUI-specific SAML codes, which is pretty similar to WPF SAML code. And mm-hmm. .NET MAUI on the other side has that SAML reinforms SAML yeah. style, which has many similarities, but also differences. Like, for example, styling has different features there. You could even yeah. do actually CSS styling with .NET MAUI. Um, sure, but, um, but would you would you want to? That seems that seems bad. I think Carl would want to do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, don't get me wrong. Uh, I'm not. I don't love CSS either. 
it's that that has become a, a landmine in and of itself. But you know, uh, if given my druthers, that's it. Yeah. So from the scenario point of view, I think the web is the really interesting part that I see also at my customers where I work at that they say, wow, we can now actually just write a Windows application with a SAML and C-sharp code that we know already. And we can yeah. use Uno to bring this application to different platforms. So the normal thinking process that you have at the beginning of a project where you think, do we actually build a web application or do we build a desktop application? Mm -hmm. You don't have that at all. You just think about the form factor and then you can right. you can start with the stuff you know, with the skills you have, if you have them, of course. Right. I don't. Why do we want to build desktop apps? Desktop. I mean, yeah. Just from the point of view of I'm I'm just throwing on the enterprise architect hat where. We've been pushing stuff out uh, via web app, especially for internal applications, for a long time. Yeah, and I would argue it's not because we love JavaScript or or any of the frameworks or anything like that. It's deployment. I, I you know that that's the thing. Everybody's always got the current version. No pushing to the machines. No security contacts. It's I update the server. Everybody has a new version. Like that's the win. I got to throw my two cents in here. Um, I and you're not wrong, Richard. I think that. Um, ninety percent of the things that we did as desktop applications can be just as easily and more uh, uh, access made more accessible by making them web applications. But it's those rare situations when you need the desktop uh, access to the desktop resources, and and by that I mean the file system and uh, local devices and things that aren't um, exposed through the web APIs. And those, those uh, edge are edge cases that are narrowing. I think. Yeah, sometimes maybe web developers have a different opinion, but we did also some tests with, for example, complex data grids, and sometimes mm -hmm. the versions for desktop applications have a few more features if you do complex nesting and sorting and hierarchies and stuff like that. Right. So these can be things where people decide to go with the desktop applications. Or desktop application, but, yeah. But do you do you agree with Carl Thomas that it's still an edge case? It's like you probably, if your average forms over data, you should stay with web. That or because I would also think there's an argument for yeah. You know, if I I should go poke Billy Hollis on this one, right? It's just yeah. that point of view of when you really want control over the UI, desktop gives you more control. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, the I think the point is always the effort that you have with the project and. What is the target group? For example, if you build for an internal business application that supports some processes, you know that all clients will have a specific Windows version. So you don't have mm -hmm. this, this thing that you have to push it to the web. And um, for these applications, quite often it's a skill set of the employees. Many have Windows forms or WPF skills, right. so they stay the desktop way. I think Blazor is an evolution. First, I thought, okay, the hard part with Angular is not doing um, TypeScript. It is HTML and CSS. And I thought, okay, mm. Blazor just replaces TypeScript with C Sharp, but developers still have to do the HTML and CSS part. But actually, when I looked the first time at Blazor, I thought, wow, it's it's really it it feels different. It feels much mm. more like .NET. So I think. 
.NET developers will also adapt Blazor for web applications instead of the whole completely separate stack with Angular or React where you have to learn all the Node.js stuff, how you need to install the modules, how to work with the packages, config file, and all that stuff, which is... Which is a total, totally different world, like we know it from .NET, with clean NuGet packages and everything yeah, give, is. Like give me in, NuGet or give me Dev. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think so. I see at my customers still many, many desktop applications. They right. they don't ask why is this a desktop application. They ask the other question, why should this be a web application? And they right. don't find any argument beyond the deployment for them why they need to move it. But they have an argument, which is sometimes when the manager says, I want to show this report on my tablet or something like that. And usually they have an iPad and not a, a Windows tablet. And um, and then you are already in this cross-platform thing where you think, okay, now to show this report, we either have to do native web stack or we have to do the native framework of that specific operating system or we find another way how we can use our existing knowledge and if you do wpf or win ui in that case you could use uno to target for example such a case to build a little chart and a little user interface for this specific part or even bring the whole application to the ipad if that's needed which is quite nice Mm -hmm. yeah and, and now you're poking on the things I think that really matter, Thomas, which is not, you know, only us developers care about the development tools and, and the languages and things like that. The consumer of the app, especially the internal app, it comes down to devices. Yes. Right? Like, the I, for me as an IT consultant working with different companies, the chaos began when the CTO showed up with an iPad and yes. said, I'm going to be using this now. Figure it out. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that and that was a security problem. That was a you know authentication problem, and it certainly was a rendering problem. Like how and the web solved it first because goodness knows nobody wanted to use Coco, yes, and yeah. Xcode, right? <laughs> like we weren't going to do that, so it was going to be web. So maybe it's really the device heterogeneity events that really drove web to dominate. Uh, uh, on the enterprise side. Yes, absolutely. I also think, you know, when you look how you use the tools, so for example, emails on my desktop, I still use Outlook as a a rich client, the desktop application. Mm -hmm. But I also, when I travel, I use the web client. Sometimes I don't have my PC. I also use the mobile phone application, right? So you want to have the same thing on different devices. And it becomes, the application is, pretty much like a service for the user so that right. they can actually do their stuff. And right. they don't want to be limited by any device to do this. Yeah. You're pressing against it there, right? It's the device dummy, right? Like it's yes. the, 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 the workers want to work on the devices they want to work on and they want to work on more than one device. Right. Yes. Right. Like that combination of it might be a phone. It might be a laptop. It might be a desktop. It might be a tablet. Yes. Why do you care? Uh, Just make it work. And they want them in sync. And and then I had this, I I had this revelation. It was on a .NET Rocks road trip. I remember you probably mm -hmm. remember Richard, but we were interviewing a, a guy who worked for a music service and then to life from the life of me, I can't remember which one, but it was the kind of thing where 
you go uh, sit down at your desktop and you run this music service. Maybe it's a website and you're listening to a playlist and you're halfway through it and you pause and you go to lunch and you pick up your phone and you log into the service and you start playing from where you just left off in your playlist. And so the question I ask is, where's the app? What hmm. is the app? I mean, it's a yeah. philosophical uh dilemma isn't it is the yeah. app on your and hand and, and or you're right the, and the user doesn't care the user doesn't care important. they just want the service and they want the service to be the experience to be seamless when they go from device to device well and we you know before the tablet we got away with m dot the phablet right <laughs> before the yeah well that too but when it was desktop laptop and mobile yeah we we were we were convincing users that mobile was going to be different for a, for a while, right? The M dots, the custom, the different version of the website, limited feature set, like that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think between iPhone and iPad just ended that. The customer expectation now is it just works on all of my devices, and if it doesn't, you failed. Right. And it's a hard problem for us. Yes. And they are utterly indifferent. Yes. It is not their problem. Well, and that's why you see all these things like Uno and, and, uh, you know, Mono before that and, uh, and, you know, now Maui and, uh, Xamarin Forms. So can I ask you this question? I'm not being flip here. What's the difference between Uno and Xamarin Forms? So there are a few differences. So the, the biggest one is for, for Xamarin Forms, you have a specific SAML dialect and, um, maybe you remember a few years ago, Microsoft tried to to do something that was called SAML standard, where they yep. tried to yes. combine the SAML dialects of WPF and Silverlight and SAML right. forms into one common dialect, and maybe yeah. even Windows Phone. I can't remember what was part of that whole thing. It was all of them, but you know, and it and it worked for .NET standard, right? Yeah, like it's kind of like. .NET Standard got all the different .NET stacks to agree going forward. Yes. So, hey, can we do this with XAML? Didn't go quite No, well. it didn't go well. No, it didn't go well. I think the repository still exists, but, um, yeah, nothing happened there because it it was too complicated because when you think about it, it's not XAML as a language. It's the underlying framework that is different. For example, right. in XAML Forms, the stack panel is not called stack panel. It is called stack layout. Yeah. And so the data context that you use for MVVM is called binding context. And so you have different things, different naming styles that are different. And then also a few different concepts with styling. And so with Uno, on the other side, you use the SAML dialect of WinUI, which means you actually build exactly the SAML that you use to build a WinUI application. And that is very similar to WPF. And this allows you to use specific features of WinUI. Like, for example, in WinUI, you have the XBind markup extension, which allows you to create data bindings that are checked already at compile time. And mm. in WPF, you might know the older binding markup extension that gets resolved at runtime. So if you misspell something there, you it just does not show up in the UI and you need to check the output window for the errors. Right. And um, this is all improved in WinUI. And Uno platform, actually, as it is built on top of that WinUI stack, you also get the full tooling for WinUI, like SAML, edit and continue, and all that stuff with the SAML live Visual Tree Explorer. You can use the full tooling of Visual Studio 
to build your application. Beside this, the scenario is also a difference between Uno Platform and uh, .NET MAUI. So the SAML dialect is different. Uno uses WinUI, .NET MAUI uses Xamarin Forms. And then from a scenario point of view, um, Xamarin Forms was focused on mobile applications. And with .NET MAUI, Microsoft also targets the desktop because now they have beside Windows also macOS as macOS. a direct target. But what they don't support is Linux as a target. Um, this will be done by the community or should be done by the community for .NET MAUI. And with Uno, for example, you get it directly. So Uno uses Skia, which is a 2D drawing library, and they can render the WinUI user interface on that Skia canvas so that you get a Linux application. And the other part is, is web. So with WebAssembly, your whole WinUI code can actually run as a web application, which is also not available in, in Xamarin Forms or .NET MAUI like this. Maybe All a right. combination of Blazor and .NET MAUI, you could achieve something similar like it is. Yeah, just don't, I just don't know how much code would be shared there for, for identical. For Uno. Between, no, for, for uh, Xamarin Forms and, and Blazor. Ah, yeah. Well, in Maui, you can either use the Xamarin Forms XAML or you can use the Blazor markup. Uh, so, you, and everything, like you don't need to do notify property changed, you know, you use status changed instead, like the whole UI stack of Blazor, you can mm. build. But do they map 100%? So yes. if I built it in Xamarin Forms, so I can just cast it to transpile it maybe across to blazer and Aubrey. no 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 it's not quite like that it's uh okay. you when you're writing a maui app it's multi-targeted right so you got an ios and an android and a desktop for windows and desktop for mac and you can build your ui layer either in the the xamarin forms dialect that will be evolved for maui or blazer the Blazor markup, and so, yeah. but but you're targeting all of those same places. Still targeting all the platforms. So the the I thing guess. is, you could write a Mac OS app using the yeah. Blazor. So we're we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I got uh, a question for you about uh, Uno and .NET Core. So let's uh, pause for the break. Hey, Carl here. You know, there's something new from our friends at Text Control. TX Text Control supports the integration of legally binding electronic document signatures into your ASP.NET Core web applications. Simply use Microsoft Word documents, prepare them using the Text Control online editor, and request signatures from signers. It works just like well-known e-sign services, but runs on-premises in your infrastructure without sending and storing documents somewhere else. To showcase typical workflows and the text control electronic signature technology, they published a fully functional demo that can be used to create and request signatures, sign documents, and to validate executed PDF files. See the demo at esign.textcontrol.com. That's esign.textcontrol.com. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Spot by NetApp. Spot provides a comprehensive suite of cloud ops tools that makes it easy to deliver continuously optimized and reliable infrastructure at the lowest possible cost while removing a lot of the manual and time-consuming tasks out of managing cloud infrastructure at scale. 
Imagine automating your infrastructure to proactively meet the needs of your applications as opposed to reacting to the constantly changing needs of your applications and developers. Imagine leveraging the latest in machine learning and automation to scale your infrastructure using the most efficient mix of instances and pricing models, eliminating the risks of over-provisioning and expensive lock-in. Imagine running reliable applications, cutting cloud costs significantly, and making life easier for DevOps teams so they can focus on faster deployments, reliability, and a seamless user experience. From cost management to infrastructure automation in CD to running serverless Spark on Kubernetes, Spot ensures you maximize your cloud investment. The end result is simply more cloud at less cost. Discover how the most innovative companies from cloud-native growth machines to forward-thinking enterprises are automating, simplifying, and optimizing their cloud infrastructure with Spot by NetApp. Check them out at spot.io slash rocks. That's spot.io slash R-O-C-K-S, where you can find more information, request a demo, or give it a try by starting a free trial. And we're back. You're listening to .NET Rocks. I'm Carl Franklin. That's my buddy, Richard Campbell. Hey. And that's our new friend, Thomas Huber, and uh, we're talking about Uno. Uh, I, before the break, I mentioned that uh, I wanted to ask you about .NET Core. Um, in the world of Xamarin Forms, Xamarin Forms as it is today before Maui does not target .NET Core. It's t- it targets .NET in Mono. And so in the evolution of .NET, right, .NET 6, which is core, obviously cross-platform, yes. Maui's one of the things about Maui is that it is all .NET Core. Um, so this is the .NET core version of Xamarin Forms, if you want to call it that. So what is the parallel in the Uno universe with uh, .NET core? So from Uno point of view, it's, it's important to understand that the whole Uno stack is actually built on all the native .NET parts. So when you look, for example, at Xamarin Forms, it is built on top of Xamarin iOS and Xamarin Android. So for these two specific libraries, it builds a common UI layer, Xamarin Forms. And Uno Platform, on the other side, also uses under the hood Xamarin iOS and Xamarin Android. So it is not using Xamarin Forms, but it is using the native C-sharp libraries for iOS and Android. Right. And and with .NET 6, uh, these... Uno will also use continue these libraries. But let's stay before .NET 6 for a minute. Uno does this today. When you create an Uno solution, you get a, a shared project, which is actually like a list of files that gets copied into the other projects in your solution that target specific platforms like Windows, iOS, Android, and so on. Mm. And normally when you build a, an Uno project, you debug your WinUI application, you check if everything works there, and then you check the other platforms, like, for example, web or Android and so on. Mm. And what Uno does under the hood is um, they actually replace the base classes behind the scenes because it generates C-sharp code. So on iOS, well, let's start in, in native WinUI. The base user element is UI element, like mm-hmm. in WPF. Mm-hmm. And... Um, For the iOS application, that UI element class does not inherit from dependency object like in in WinUI. It inherits from an iOS-specific class that comes from that Xamarin iOS library. 
And uh, right now with Xamarin iOS, you mentioned it, it doesn't support .NET Core. So right now, Uno uses for this .NET Standard, what Richard mentioned before. So .NET Standard was really a great uh, idea to do. So this allows actually that code to be executed on iOS and also on the other platforms. And so Uno also for for Android, it uses Xamarin Android under the hood, and the UI element class will inherit on the Android platform from the Android-specific view class that is used to represent a page. And so okay. when we move on to .NET 6, it will just evolve. So Xamarin iOS becomes, Microsoft is renaming it with .NET MAUI, right. it becomes .NET for iOS, and Xamarin Android becomes .NET for Android. Yeah. And so Uno platform is actually using these things. Okay. So in other words, you get all the, the goodness of .NET 6 once we move to yes. .NET 6. Yes. So oh. so essentially you're doing what Maui wants to do sort of already. You're set up for it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And also for the other stacks, for example, for the web stack, the Uno platform uses the .NET runtime for WebAssembly that is also used by Blazor to execute the C-sharp code in the browser. So it is built actually on top of the best things that are available in .NET. So it's it's not re reinventing that wheel that is already there for, for the different platforms. Okay, you just said something that kind of blew my mind. You're saying that you can take a um, an Uno application, which you originally, you know, you're, you're starting out as a Windows application, and you can run it as is in the browser using WebAssembly? Yes, that's right. So actually, when you, when you create a new Uno solution, the only difference that you have there from a normal WinUI application or WinUI project is that the SAML files are not directly in the WinUI project. Instead, they are in a separate shared project. And maybe you know that shared project is, ironically, it was available in the universal Windows platform right. application from Windows 8.1, I think, that Richard mentioned before, where yeah. we had Windows Phone and Windows Desktop. And I think there we had that shared project thing. And what this shared project does, it is like a list of files that gets copied into the projects that reference that shared project. So it is like, like actually linked files, something like that. But it allows you to have that central place where you write all the code, and then you can run your WinUI application that is using these files from the shared project, and you run your web application, and all that stuff from the shared project just works in the web. This means also, in other words, that for the web, the translation from SAML to the web needs to happen so that this works. And when I first tried Uno, I I remembered when I wrote a WPF book in 2008, I did some layout stuff, some custom layout panels to explain how layout works in WPF. And I thought, let's try something really custom uh, in Uno and let's see what it does in the browser. And it just works. So what happens behind the scenes is Uno builds up this visual tree, so they built up this whole render tree. And if you look, when you look at the code, what Blazor does, they also build some render tree, right? You also see that render tree logic behind the scenes that gets generated. And Uno does something similar. And for the web, the whole SAML part is actually mapped 
to native HTML elements. So you can see, for example, when you have a grid layout in SAML and two buttons inside, you will have in the web application, you will have a div that represents that grid panel. You will have a button that represents that SAML button. And you can even see the SAML type in the HTML code that was used to generate that specific HTML. But in the oh, end, you as a developer, you don't have anything with this to do. You just write your WinUI code and you get the web for free. And that's the nice thing about Uno. So you, you, you don't write any web-specific code? No, you don't write any web-specific <laughs> code. You just use your WinUI skill. And of course, there might be things where you where you say, okay, now I want to use something very specific. For example, um, 3.js was presented in the last WinUI community call, which is such a library that can show 3D models in the browser. And right. it, so if you want to do stuff like that, that does not work, um, then you can still include these things, but then you do a bit of platform-specific development. Right, so, you, in, so I can do web-specific code, but you don't have to. Exactly, only for the specific okay. cases. And this is also, again, a pro argument for Uno. You can do platform-specific code if you want to, and maybe there are some situations where you say, hey, for the iOS application, I want to use, for example, a specific control or sometimes you might have something more complex. Let's say you build an application that can scan QR codes and um, you want to use the best control for iOS and you want to use the best control for Android. Then you can still use Uno to build your application and you write a platform-specific part just for this specific user control and this, this will work. So I'm getting to this question, which is, you know, in Xamarin Forms and in Blazor now, there's this ecosystem of third-party tools that I can just tap into and I can bring them over. And um, from what I understand, anyway, the Blazor tools will just work, uh, you know, if you're using Blazor as your UI for MAUI applications. And the Xamarin Forms tools will have to be upgraded, but there there's a tool that vendors can use to sort of bring them into MAUI. So what does it look like in the Uno sphere for third-party controls and components? It, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing that there's a vibrant community that uh, where you have the same sort of things that you can plug in. But what, uh, what does it look like? I have no idea what that, what that universe looks like. You have also the, the common um, third-party UI vendors that build controls for, for the UNO stack. And you can even use the WinUI part. So you can look at WinUI and you can try the stuff and then you see if it works on UNO as well. So it's you have actually the same ecosystem. So sometimes you might have limitations if you use a complex control and you see, okay, there might be something missing that is not yet supported so that it works on all the platforms. But usually... You can use all the third-party stuff and use that too. I'm thinking of stuff that's in the box, like Xamarin Essentials, all those little tools that James Montemagno did and curated with his friends that uh, ah, do yeah, things I like see. access the 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 hardware, the stuff on the individual hardware, and abstract it all into the UI layer, right? So that you're not yeah, having to dive down. Yeah, for this one, um, I think you need to look for the WinUI stuff. So 
There is the, the Windows Template Studio that supports a few of these things that get automatically then, for example, authentication or you get a settings page and stuff like that. Um, but a whole library like Xamarin Essentials, I think it does not exist yet. But yeah, let's see. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Uno specific. It would be more like a Win, a win UI, UI question. Yeah, exactly. But but here's the thing, though. I mean, what about stuff like accelerometers and GPS location? I mean, that stuff that has to happen on the individual platforms. Did, is I don't think that's uh, appropriate for Win UI to do. Is it? It is because Win UI is actually when you think about it, where it's coming from. It comes from that UWP area, which is the Windows Phone area. So yeah, it, okay. it has all that stuff inside to access sensors from the device. Okay. And um, so for Uno, it, it depends then how does it translate that stuff into the native applications. So, so that's it, what Uno does. Yeah, Uno exactly. Uno does that translation. Yes, okay. exactly. So you st- you always need to think you build a normal WinUI application and Uno does the translation of that semblance C-sharp part to the right. other platforms. And if and you're in a web application, you're not going to be able to access some of those things. But that's just yeah, the way it goes. Yeah, exactly. And this is something you need to test. Maybe they even, I think the browser APIs, they have also browser APIs to access accelerometer and and other sensors. I but even simple things thing. like, um, let's say I have a um, a folder in my local, you know, a local folder that has a bunch of photos in it or something, or a bunch of files that I want to load up. In uh, Blazor WebAssembly, I can't simply do a system.io directory get files and yes. return those files. I can't do that because it's in the sandbox of uh, WebAssembly. Yeah. So you would not be able to do that if you wrote that into your WinUI application by the time if you try to run that in the browser. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Then, yeah, of course, you can't escape but that's the sandbox. The, that's right? the breaks. Yeah, you can't escape the sandbox. So. Yeah, that's why it's here. Yeah, yeah that's right. Normally, the the flow for developing an application is when you develop an application with Uno, you focus on the WinUI part, you use that to debug, and then you occasionally start it on the other platforms to check if it works there. And of Mm. course, you can't work beyond the limitations of the browser. So accessing the file system. I think in Silverlight, we had something for the, with the applications you could install on the desktop. That's right, yeah. Hey, get around the security. Yeah. Exactly. Let's say the S word. Yes or no. Now, now and then the S word was Silverlight, not Sandbox. <laughs> but and you've also played Sandbox as a negative. Right? Again, mm-hmm. the IT guy here wearing his no, hat. Not. Like, listen, browser security contexts are good because that's the end of deployment. Yeah. The whole thing going down this path now is we have to deploy this software securely. And we have to give it rights. Um wh- What's your preferred deployment method when it comes to a, a Windows Uno app these days? Like, what do you what do you like to use? You know, it depends because I have I have different applications as an output. So the right. question is, which one are we talking about? So for the web application, I think it's not really different from any other web application. Right. Just push it to the server. Yes, and for the WinUI application. Um, there is MSIX, which is uh, 
the packaging format of Windows 10, which allows similar ways like uh, click once does. So you need a certificate on your clients and then you sign your package and then you can have an install URL to deploy this one. And you can do all of this also in your continuous integration so that you get mm. actually the package that it moves the application automatically to the right place. And once this is set up, then I think it's it's an easy thing. It's it's not so easy to set it up. So it, it's, as usual, continuous integration. Because you are talking about, if, yeah, if you're modifying code and you're pushing it back out, that means you have to redo the certificate. Like, there's a bunch of stuff you've got to do. It's got to be part of your pipeline to be able to update versions properly. Yes. But if you build out that pipeline, then this is no different than any other application where when you push code and it passes tasks or goes through whatever gates you put in place, right. it deploys. Exactly. So it can be like that and arguably should be like that. It should be like that, yeah. And for, for WinUI, um, the also with UWP, we had the UWP hosting model, which is also a sandbox. So UWP applications were in the sandbox. And with WinUI, they support also, they, Microsoft, support also Win32, which means mm -hmm. that you have full system access. Yeah. And um, in a future version, we should also have the possibility that you get for the WinUI application an executable that you can just copy and paste onto a machine like you do it today with a WPF application or with a Windows Forms application. Yeah. So I think this will come. This is not possible today. Today you have still this packaging project that creates an MSIX package behind the scene, scenes. Even during development, Visual Studio does all of this automatically. But if you want to deploy it to the end user, you have to create that MSIX and push that one. Yeah, and it, and the we've done MSIX shows. We probably could do another one. Mm. The certs still suck, but uh, you know, the, all that process could be better. And I would hope the latest incarnations of Azure DevOps and or GitHub Actions, like pick yeah. one, yeah, it should be as smooth. You you think about how smooth it is to to build a pipeline where you push code to GitHub and it just appears in an Azure web uh, app service yep. now. Mm -hmm. I want I want that smoothness with a desktop app. And I don't think it's there, but you know, and I'm hope somebody will come at me and go, Oh, it's there. Just do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I keep watching and talking to folks who have to push desktop apps still, and, and they're fighting with these things. This is not easy. Yes, it's not easy. I totally agree. It's something that, that has to be easier. So most customers in the WPF area, they, they use click once there. Yes. You have also the certificate thing, but it's, and Microsoft has actually moved it also to, to .NET Core. I think it is. it was already part of .NET 5. I'm not totally sure if it was .NET 5 or if it's coming with .NET 6. Hmm. But click once is something that is important for many. And so maybe even with WinUI, we get both variants, MSIX and click once. But I haven't read about this one yet. Yeah. Uh, I also appreciate, and this certainly came with WinUI 3, is they stopped coupling the feature sets of UWP to versions of Windows. Because that seemed like an incredibly bad idea that took a while to go away. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's, 
this was a a bad idea, I think, because it slows down everything. And um, they started first to move out controls, and then later with WinUI three, the whole SAML UI framework that is now mm. yeah. Well, the idea that you would build an app and then ask IT to update versions of Windows so the app would run. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of a bad idea. We know already from the past, you know, when we had to ask to update the .NET framework version on the client machines, which was already yeah. hard. And right. updating Windows itself is, yeah, that, that doesn't work in enterprises. It takes ages for IT to test everything with all the different um, applications and, yeah. Yeah. I had a I had a really interesting um, issue last night. Last night was one of those all nighter coding nights for me. I you know I get an idea and I have to I have to figure it out. You know it's like so much better than watching TV. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted you're right. I wanted a WebAssembly applic application to do what I was just talking about. I have a folder um of of uh, photos or whatever and i want to be able to access them with a WebAssembly application and so i came up with this idea of using a virtual directory so i go into the the web root of the application folder and um i do a what is it an mk dir or something like that yeah. make dir slash d where you can basically say, I want a local folder called pictures, and here's the actual path of that folder, and then you get this folder. And so it's in the web root, so we can go in and, and look at those values, but I can't, still can't do the directory.get files. So I wrote this console application to go uh, enumerate all those files and then generate a text file which then I load the text file with the HTTP client, right? Just the same way that the yep. Blazor uh, standalone WebAssembly template does with the JSON file data, right? Yeah. You can yep. actually use that to go and load up uh, a local file. So I load that up, get, a, get all those things, and now I've got a list of paths. And if you have the path in your WebAssembly application, you can load the file. So I thought that was pretty smart. And, and how I actually get this running is I copy all the whole project file to the computer I want to run it on and install the SDK and then drop to a command line and go .NET, uh, .NET run. And then, uh, you know, now it's running locally on a Windows 10 machine, you know, and I can just pull up a browser and go to it. It's pretty yeah, smart. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what happens when Carl stays up all night. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get around this stupid crap somehow <laughs> yeah that's nice uh, yeah how did you end up writing the plural site class for uno like i'm i'm glad you did but you, it's not like you work for uno or anything but the interesting place to end up and you've literally got if you want to learn uno to be a plural site you've got the class very cool yes. yeah i actually i work for in SAML since, yeah, not decades, but I started with .NET in 2005, and one year later I started with WPF. And in 2008 I wrote a book on WPF for the German market, which is still available mm -hmm. today. 
And I also wrote a book on Silverlight, which was not a good idea, but um, it I was did a it. good idea at the time. Come on, yeah, back then maybe yes, it was good. It is like it is a good technology, yeah, but yeah, different times then. It's based and, on a, um, a shaky foundation. That's all. The assault on the plugin, yeah, was, was warranted. I don't know if it was warranted in 2011. I mean, let's face it, yeah, or 2010. Jobs killed went after Flash. Not because of security, because it was murdering the batter of the eye. Well, there were yes. both reasons. That's what he cared. Both yes. reasons. He didn't want malware. Right. Also, yeah, yeah. But then who does? Yeah. But they, they you know. Eh, but I think there were other ways to address the security. Well, Java problem. suffered also, right? Yeah, Java suffered also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. But no. I think we have so many devices now who can access the internet, right? So uh, we today we think it was Apple who killed Flash, but. We have so many devices where you couldn't install a plugin like Flash or yeah. Silverlight. So the world yeah. has changed massively, I think, in yeah. the past decade regarding devices. Yeah, well, the browsers recognized the security problem and said, well, if Jobs yeah. doesn't like it, we're taking it out pretty much. I, 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 yeah, the question is, did he accelerate the process? Or I think not? so. But we were clearly, 10 years ago, we were headed to here. Yeah. It's just that 10 years ago, HTML5 was not ready. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the browser, the different browser folks were not working as closely together as they are now. The standards had not advanced as much. You just think about how much better everything yeah, exactly. involved in the browser has gotten mm. in the past 10 years. So back to your question with the, with the UNO course on plural sites. So mm -hmm. I work also for a consulting company and I have many customers who have still some older WPF applications. Um, two years ago, I even migrated many Silverlight applications some to WPF, some decided to go into another direction. And for all these migration scenarios where you think you want to bring the application to a browser or you want to use your existing SAML skills, Uno is actually a really good approach because it allows me to reuse that existing SAML knowledge. And um, But it's most times it's not about me because... I have also created stuff on the web stack, so I'm familiar with the other stacks too, but I know many developers who don't want to learn a new tech stack and who know one technology very well. And um, so if you do Windows development and if you want to target other platforms, I think Uno is a great thing to look at and um, to decide then based <coughs> on your skills and scenario. So. If I would have to do a, a cross-platform application with SAML and C-sharp skills, I would look at Uno and .NET MAUI. And um, there is also Avalonia, which is also a WPF port to different frameworks, uh, to different operating systems. And, and then I would decide based on the scenario. With Uno, you can bring the application as is to the web, which is one of the big advantages of Uno because you write the code once and you bring it to the web. And I would also decide on the skill set. So learning, for example, Samarine Forms is also an additional hurdle for a WPF developer because it is a bit different than that WPF um, WinUI SAML step. Unless you already know HTML, CSS, in which case, you know, the Maui with the Blazor UI works is, is, is a good idea. Otherwise... You'll have to learn yeah. you you know when UI SAML. Yeah. So I I yeah, guess exactly. uh, I, I guess there's the the difference. You know, for me, if I was a web guy 
and I wanted to write cross-platform native applications, I might think about Maui with Blazor. And if I was a, a XAML yeah. uh, person, even if I was a Xamarin Forms person, I, th- I think the jump to Xamarin f- from Xamarin Forms to WinUI is probably uh, a less of a, uh, a jump than you know going away from XAML altogether. Yeah, that's that's totally that's totally true. I think yeah. on Maui you have even in addition the C sharp style user interface that they called in the original blog oh, post yeah. M- MVU, where you write the user interface completely write it all in, in C sharp. Yeah, yeah. But you know, in the end, I think um, as a de- when you look at it and you think as a .NET developer. You have just so many choices right. to do this stuff, which is actually something that is really great because you don't you are not limited to the Windows desktop or to a console application or whatever. You can now right. target the web, you can target mobile phones, and you have different technologies to do this that allow you to use the skills that you have. And maybe if you prefer HTML and CSS, you can go the Blazor route. If you prefer SAML, you can decide if you want to use the WinUI style with Uno platform or if you want to use the Xamarin Form style with .NET MAUI. And I think that's a great thing. And um, for me, my heart beats for WPF and WinUI. And this is why I was excited about Uno platform and which, which brought me to create that Uno platform course to show how it works under the hood and how you can use it actually to bring your existing WinUI application to different platforms like the web or iOS, Android, and you don't have to learn another stack to do that. All right, I have one last question for you, Thomas. If we lived in a world without Uno, do you think UWP would be around much longer? Yeah, I think so, because what Microsoft says is, that UWP and the WinUI stack is actually the native user interface of Windows. So, so it's, it's the new WPF, in other words. Yeah, exactly. So they actually use it to build the parts of Windows 10 and Windows 11. So they need to use it to build their own things. So I think but that's WinUI it, though. But a UWP application like in Maui, those don't exist. Yeah. Right? No, no. But WinUI is the evolu- it's the same UI framework like UWP, just decoupled right. from Windows 10. Right, so right. in .NET MAUI uses WinUI, which is actually the old UWP thing, just not running in the okay. in the UWP app model, but in Win32 process model, which doesn't have the sandbox stuff. All right, yeah. fair enough. So, but I think I, that you know Uno certainly um, revitalized people's interest in the the UWP XAML anyway. Yeah, I think also on the Windows desktop alone, if you leave the whole cross-platform out, you have also today with .NET, you can use Windows Forms, which is available on .NET 6, right? You can use WPF, or you can use WinUI. And I think WinUI is the most modern stack, and there it gets interesting what will happen in the next years. And uh, Microsoft said that they plan that they have all the features needed to build complex applications there in the within the next years. I think I read somewhere 2023 that that everything will be there. And 
My guess is that many developers still start Windows desktop applications, and maybe in one or two years, they decide to go with WinUI instead of WPF or Windows Forms. So if I build a WinUI application just as a standalone WinUI application uh, today or in November, .NET 6 or whenever, yes. um, can I move that into a, a, an Uno application and let that be the UI for all these other platforms? Or do I have to start out as a Uno, Uno application? No, you can. It's might mean to copy some SAML and C-sharp files over to the shared project, but... That's a I wizard would... waiting to happen right there. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. Could okay. be a Visual Studio extension to do this, yes. Sure. Ah, that's awesome. Well, uh, Thomas, uh, blowing my mind once again. Uh, this is great stuff, and um, thanks for uh, spending an hour with us. Thank you. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET, what is it, .NET runs, .NET walks, .NET rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC. Yes, I'm a...